three, two, Prepare one. For light Punch it, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Holocron Hoopla. Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of a galaxy far, far away. We're back again this week with another new episode. Season 3, Episode 4 of The Mandalorian, The Foundling. Here at the Hoopla Podcast, we're going to tell you all about the events that took place in this episode and all the wonderful lore that's going on in this fantastic Mandalorian TV show on Disney+. My name's Jamie Clare, and as always, I am joined by the Star Wars expert. Nope, that's not his title. I am joined by the Jedi historian, Andy Smith. <laughs> Andy Smith here, a connoisseur of many nerdy things, Marvel, DC, Lord of the Rings, and of course, Star Wars. Excited to talk about the foundling. And let's just say, Misa saved Grogu. Ooh. Ooh. A little teaser Ooh, spoiler that's right nice. there. A deep cut of a tease. We are also joined, as always, by everybody's favorite droid, Chris Pio. C3 Pio, human cyborg relations here. Excited to talk about this particular chapter of Mando. Again, another weird one, but uh, we'll get into the weeds here in just a moment. Thanks for having me on, Jamie Clare, who never introduces himself at the top of the pod. <laughs> at Dr. Space Wizard. I think I said my name this time. He, he actually <laughs> did this time. Double oh introduction. Oh, wow. Everybody knows my name twice now. Hoopla. What a week. What a time to be alive. Um, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Dr. Space Wizard. <laughs> but more important than that, we do have a fourth member of the Hoopla Croopla here today to talk about this episode of The Mandalorian. And wouldn't you know it, it is another foundling, a creepy little dinosaur bird. Welcome, Jake Laxer. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the noise it made oh, when it my. came off the, the ship. I don't, I don't really know. Uh, Bo yeah, Bo crazy. doesn't make that noise the whole episode. <laughs> you don't want that. Trust me. That's going to that's gonna annoy everyone. Anyhow, Jake Laxer here, lover of all things TV and movies. Well, this was uh, Carl, Weathers, Carl Weathers' best attempt at directing, and, you know, he has to have a crocodile in there. Shout out to uh, Happy Gilmore, uh, Jumps Peterson. Anyhow, oh we're gonna... my god. <laughs> that is a long stretch Another for, for a universe tie-in, but I will allow it. That's a good Thank one. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you support it. And, and I gladly support this Ahmed best episode ever. <laughs> the Happy Gilmore universe and the Star Wars universe are one. <laughs> Technically, and, uh, there is a Happy Madison extended universe, but I digress. There is. There is. I, I'm a big fan of that universe, but a lot of people would say otherwise. Anyhow, let's proceed in diving into this episode. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of Holocron Hoopla Podcast. Uh, we appreciate all of you for listening. Go ahead and subscribe on your podcast app wherever you're listening. If you want to give us a review, uh, write us a little comment. We love listening uh, to all the little comments that everybody has for us. And if you want to follow us on social media, Chris, where can they go? You can locate us at Holocron Hoopla, both on Twitter and Instagram, for anything within a galaxy far, far away. 
For anything on the Tolkien universe, you can find us at Hobbit Hoopla. That's going to be your Lord of the Rings content, as well as our Rings of Power episodes. And anything in jumping off the page for Hero Hoopla, that's going to be your comic books, your Marvel, your DC, and anything else in that universe. And make sure to also follow our main account at Hoopla Podcasts. That's going to be on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok for any sort of... uh, information clips and definitely talking about these theories that we're about to put into this episode right here so join online let us know what you think collaborate communicate and we'd be excited to have you online with us the one special announcement we have is want to make sure to remind you all that we are indeed headed to Star Wars Celebration London. That's going to be coming up April 7th to 11th. Make sure to follow our accounts and be, we will be giving boots on the ground information as soon as it comes to us inside Star Wars Celebration. So if you want updates, make sure to follow us. We'll be giving them as fast as we can. Anything new content coming from the Star Wars universe. Hoopla. Do we get a movie announcement? I sure hope so. Ooh, I hope so. Will we be very disappointed if we don't get a movie <laughs> announcement? Ooh. Yes. The answer is, is there yes. a chance that we get a movie announcement and we're still disappointed? Yes. Mm. No. No, 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 I am no, excited no, no. about no the announcement. There's no disappointment here. I am excited for the announcement for Skeleton Krupla. I, I ooh. Oh, Skeleton oh, Krupla. I can't true. wait to title that one. Very nice. I can't wait. Uh, alrighty then. I guess it's time for us to jump in to this episode of the Holocron Hoopla podcast right after this quick break. Can I eat now? <laughs> and we're back. We're Let's back. get into this fun little episode we had. Emphasis on the little as it was, I think, 40 minutes shorter than last week's episode. But that's okay. <laughs> we didn't get to have an adventure with a sad doctor scientist on a different planet. We spent almost this whole well, episode with the Mandalorians. Perhaps it would have been an hour if we took another random episode and just threw it in there for 30 minutes. But I digress. <laughs> He's still bitter. He'll never not be bitter. Jamie, yeah. let's, let's just talk about, you know, right before I watched the episode... I, I saw online, this is 25 minutes without credits. And when I saw that, I was extremely disappointed. Oh, I had the. Until I, I watched reaction. the actual episode and I was not disappointed. See, nice. I saw that the, that the episode was 30 minutes and I was like, 32 minutes, I think, to be exact. But I saw the episode length and I was like, oh, sh- this shit, this is going to be amazing because it's so short. And I was right. You hear that, fellas? Short things are amazing. <laughs> Let it be noted. Takes one to know one. <laughs> I didn't have any problem with the episode length. I thought they accomplished the story they wanted to tell real quick. I also thought in terms of last week we were talking about their again, not editing mistakes, but editing decisions, and I felt this time around it worked a lot better where they kind of interspliced the stories even though we didn't go back and forth between an A and a B story. We did have breaks in the action as well as uh, the actual action itself. So it was a little bit of a, a contrast between the two stories that we just did not get last week. And I think it worked a lot better here. And, and narratively, it was just more like, tight. Like they they yeah. moved through the storyline. They didn't, a, a lot of times during these, not these episodes in Mandalorian necessarily, but a lot of TV shows, they pack a lot of extra filler content into the episode where in this episode, they took out things that were not needed. 
like you had you you had a pretty pretty standard like progression and not much filler like they're getting to their objective you're seeing well, them perform activities i mean you could say that there's some unnecessary characters potentially with little baby birds but that was the story they were trying to tell <laughs> little Whoa, jake little, is right little here baby birds? yeah <laughs> come on man he's a sure. big bird <laughs> you no you're a little bird. baby bird you're a little baby bird oh yeah. thank you okay okay i thought that was a big baby bird but i i mean who's who's to judge right i did think that technically the Order 66 tangents were filler, but they were very important filler. Like, ve- like crucial to the We gotta to the get Star away Wars from this canon. term filler. We yeah, can't that, just call that, everything. Not, yeah, we can't call story that's filler. That's not filler. That's, that's, that's a hey, major I'm just using your part term. of I, the universe. I'm, I'm just using your term. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not saying this is all on you, Jake. This has been happening not just in our podcast either, but like People have been calling these episodes filler episodes when it's just, yeah, it's the story. Just generally everything filler. This, there's nothing filler about this episode. So online, I've seen some discourse referring to this episode as a beach episode. Um, I was familiar with the term from way back in the day, the Avatar at the last Airbender. Uh, Are you guys familiar with a beach episode concept? Um, no, this is similar to a a bottle episode in which you know the characters or at least the main protagonist would spend the majority of the time in one scene, one setting. That's a bottle episode, but similar to that, a beach episode is just usually a trope in like an anime or manga where you're going to have the characters just go to the beach, and it's something where they are relaxing. There, it's a different type of mindset than the actual that happened a lot in avatar now that i think about it exactly yeah. yeah and there yeah. was a literal beach day in avatar that season three way back when uh but th- it's Can't a trope that's action. used to kind of like reset or show character progression or show the strengthening of a team uh and, and people are comparing this to a, a, a beach episode I, I didn't necessarily see that i thought it was indeed an, uh, on a beach, and then they're using the elements of like okay, how literally. they were training and and becoming stronger as a unit, and they were finally back with their Mandalorians. I don't know. I I don't think it's wrong to call it a beach episode, but it, I mean, it still felt like an episode of The Mandalorian, even though it was short and sweet. So, uh, what do you guys think? I mean, literally, sure, it was a beach episode, but outside of that, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, it was definitely a self-contained episode, which I think is something that Mandalorian as a show does very well. All the way back to season one and season two, they have most of the episodes are fully self-contained. And there is a little bit of an over a season long arc that they touch on. But for the most part, the episodes are something needs to take place over the next 30, 45 minutes. They go on a little adventure. They complete the quest. Um, and that's exactly what we got here. Just a quick little rescue mission up to the top of a mountain to find a evil dragon bird nest and save a foundling. Um, so yeah, it was a nice little contained episode. Classic Mandalorian style. That sounds like a nice D&D campaign. I'm going to comment on how, you know, I said in our first review, I don't know why they would do, you know, this ceremonial baptism in the most dangerous beach they could imagine <laughs> and here we are yet again with another monster attacking they the truly need to leave that yeah planet. like what do we not learn the first time that this is not a safe beach like why are and we apparently back these birds 
have taken foundlings multiple times? <laughs> Seriously. And we saw the crocodile again, and they're still out there. I feel like a Mandalorian society, like the covert, would have defenses at this point in time. You know, the, the giant crocodile has eaten their people. The bird has taken multiple. You even see helmets, Mandalorian helmets, in the nest. Yeah. You really think that, you know, oh, Din Djarin really saved our ass this time, but I hope, you know, maybe we'll put some defenses up, too, of our own right over top of our little cave. Nah, we'll be fine. What's yeah. the worst that could happen? There's only a whole bunch of giant evil monsters. Yeah, we have Beskar armor. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like a setup to a little D&D &D adventure. Because the story was just kind of like thrust upon them. They were just having a little training session. And then the unprepared DM shows up and he's just like, oh, by the way, there's a scary dragon. It comes down and it steals your friend. What are you going to do? We're going to chase after it. Oh, just kidding. You can't chase after it because then it's going to kill your friend if you chase him. And then like, oh, I guess we got to sneak up because then he won't kill our friend. But then they get there and they surprise the dragon and it still doesn't kill their friend. That was a that was yeah. a very convoluted story going on. I needed there. I needed at least a leg lost. The guy needed to lose a limb. That the bird dragon's teeth were so sharp and it was dangling from the monster's mouth and he was unscathed. Not yeah. even a flesh wound. And he was <laughs> not even a scratch. He didn't regurgitate him for 2 days <laughs> after the initial capture. It's called Beskar Jake. Get it? I, I know, I know, and we can, we can do the whole Sarlacc, Boba Fett, Pitt argument, you know, <laughs> sure, fine, whatever, but like, you know, he, in Bo Book of Boba Fett, even he's like, roughed up from the acidity in, of the Sarlacc's gastric content, whatever. <laughs> there was nothing. The next 30 yeah. minutes is all going to be about the Sarlacc's gastritic content. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I wrote down, I bet they kill... It, but the foundling perishes, and and I, mm. I don't remember exactly when I wrote that down, but I think it was kind of like when the hunting party was getting close or or scouting out the actual nest. But I, I thought the foundling was going to die, and that would have given like you know stakes to the Mandalorian creed, and right. you know obviously made them somber, and 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 then of course we find out that. The foundling has plot armor because it's Paz Vizsla's son, <laughs> so there was no way that they were well, going to die. I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> plot armor. They yeah. could have they could have just written it a little bit better. That is to... bigger plot armor than I've ever seen in my entire life. Because clearly now there's a relationship <laughs> forming between Viz the Vizsla clan, really, what's left of it, and the Mandalorian, or, or at least the, the character. Yeah. At least the viewer themselves is now viewing the pit, the Vizslas as oh, this was an episode that transcends the little spat that Mando and and Vizslas are having. So I, I think it's important that it was his son, and I think it was very important that he didn't die. <laughs> yeah, I think this this episode got to some good uh, places for the overall story and the character interactions between, as you're saying, Mando and the Vizslas, and especially Bo-Katan and her new place within this covert of Ooh, Mandalorians. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the yep. story as a whole was, or like the adventure that they had to go on was, uh, I don't even have a word for it. It didn't make sense. It was silly. <laughs> Just a little adventure. <laughs> they had to do a lot of hand waving to say that this is I a reasonable... I disagree. I 100% disagree. I, 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 I get that, yeah, they clearly don't have defenses. 
And there is some weird. The the one weird thing I would say is when they were flying towards it, they're like, "We ran out of gas again." That like, was they could have probably so they could have fig- they could figure out the the better dialogue there and like for from a writing perspective. But I think this is my favorite episode of of this season easily because it is a fantastical, uh, whimsical in nature. No, it's, it's not whimsical. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that word out there. Yeah, but we, we always need that. It, it was it was it was truly like the Star Wars kind of episodic uh, narrative that that I want within thirty minutes in Mandalorian. We we went. We saw Grogu in his training. We saw these Mandalorians training together. There is a bonding between the Mandalorians. We're learning about the Mandalorian society with Bo-Katan, the uh, Vizslas, Din Djarin, the armor. We've learned so much just in these these conversations. They go on their their journey to defeat the giant monster. The monster gets defeated, and then the Vizsla, you know, and a pause and and Din Djarin are now bonded together. I think that is a beautiful family story and we know star wars is all about family chris you know it's about the it's droids all about family <laughs> yeah i i see what you're saying andy i don't know if it was my favorite we'll we'll get to that when we talk about ratings at the end i agree but i, I want to start diving into a, a little bit of the meat here um and very potatoes. first scene with oh. no just the meat jake shut up okay, my bad. very first scene <laughs> with uh, grogu on the beach who thought he was using the force? Because I sure yes, did. Yes, 100%. Aww, no doubt. He was using the, the force, and then you realize that yeah. they're <laughs> actually <laughs> little crabs. Yeah. Cute, counter cute counter number off one. Off the charts. <laughs> yeah. How many crabs were there? And That's then, how many cute cute numbers. We yeah, we'll give him that many points. <laughs> that many points. <laughs> and then we go right into a less cute scene with Grogu, who is still adorable, but has to do the one-on-one challenge. Uh, what'd you guys think of this scene? I, I thought it was a little, I think a lot of the audience was thinking this was too soon. Uh, maybe too soon is not the right word considering, you know, they can control the pace of when we see this type of stuff. But uh, I had no idea how Grogu was going to quote unquote win. <laughs> I felt that they rushed this scene too much. I mean that in the sense like it wasn't climactic enough for me for this being like Grogu's stepping like into a mandalorian-esque sort of role and charactership mm. um because you know the kid hits him for the first paint with the first paintball then the second paintball yeah and you know it's it's all or nothing and grogu hits him with all three and that's fine all of a sudden like like where was that in the rule book? Yeah, I thought it was supposed game. to be rounds. Yeah, <laughs> Grogu goes lights out. We also don't know the rules of the the Mandalorian kid. Well, well neither game. does the kid. We kind of do. I, Ragnar doesn't know the rules either. Then yeah, he gave us literally every rule. The the battle master or whatever he was like. Remember, keep your feet in the lines. You got to shoot. When you, when you do this, you got to do that. And then when you do this, it's three points to win. We're going to have one round and we're going to do this, this, and this. And then after every time the kid shot him, he was like, point. That's one. <laughs> so, so I don't That's understand. That's three. Yeah. And then we're all like, yay, cute counter was the, two. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, uh, was Ragnar just being like, I don't know, well, cocky? It, like, oh, that, that, that could Should be. a bit of a Should I hit him again? He is, yeah. 
So they set up the fight so that Ragnar was the one who chose what sort of combat they would have with each other. Of yeah. course. And he chose a long distance targeting <laughs> combat when he's fighting against something that's six inches tall and two inches wide. That's the smallest target in the world. Don't do a distance targeting thing. Just fuck wrestle. And you'd win. <laughs> He's not going to like be like, use a vibro blade. <laughs> well, Ragnar's yeah. a moron. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Ragnar's a moron. Well, I, I would say with Ragnar, I, I thought Ragnar was being a little cocky. He's like, this is a little greed man. And of course, you would all probably be cocky if you think that there is a toddler standing in front of you and you have to fight to this... Not to the death, but you have to fight and win against a toddler. You're not going to wrestle the toddler. Hell yeah, That's true. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) I'll wrestle any toddler. Bring a toddler in front of me. I'll wrestle that baby. If I can get a point. (laughs) Or three points. I will wrestle that baby. We'll have a (laughs) headbutting contest. You and me, toddler. I got a helmet on. You don't. Let's go. (laughs) You think I won't wrestle that baby? I'll wrestle that baby. I'll wrestle any baby. (laughs) Andrew, your point got destroyed. I'm, I'm Did out. you want to make it? No, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. That, I, that was a great scene. Once again, no, the the scene was great. Yeah. There should have just been more buildup. Grogu should have gotten one kill, then another kill, and then it should have been a final showdown. Oh, so you're just talking about you wish you yeah. didn't hit all three at once? Yeah, I mean, it didn't okay. make any sense. Otherwise, I loved the scene. It just it it was just rushed. Why why would they rush that? That was beautiful. Uh, so let's talk about what that means, though. So the he once he gets his powers. Like he's training with Luke for two years. So we know he we we know at this point that at any moment he could probably kill any of these, you know, people in the area. But he has fear. He doesn't want to use his powers. He's been like in like he's been hiding from the Empire for 30 years or so. And now he's finally starting to learn back his, you know, get get his powers back over time. Um, And he's afraid to use it in front of the covert and din as his father is kind of helping him along with that to be like you can do this um yeah and and that's it takes that second bullet and him looking back up at his dad and kind of questioning and he said no you can do this and i thought that was beautiful to like have that as an opening that then proceeds into him being known to the covert as this powerful being but also the armor and all the other Mandalorians are taking him in, even though the ultimate enemy of the Mandalorians are the Jedi. I thought that was a really interesting right. piece to it. But great call. Immediately, Paz Vizsla and the armor and the the judge all like say this is the way. And uh, and even Paz Vizsla, what was the line that he said? Don't speak unless you know. Don't yeah. speak unless you know. Perhaps this lesson for will be for you then. That was a good line. That was a good line. A lot line, of little good actually. lines in Mandalorian yeah. culture. They just sit around and like quip at each other. Mandalorian culture is basically uh. a one long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where there's this danger the of way. getting swooped up by a dragon at any moment. Or eaten by yeah. a mega croc. I did think that the, everything going on with Grogu this episode was the best part of the episode by far. With his yeah. being accepted into the Mandalorian culture, his conversation that he has... I guess one-sided conversation that the armorer has with Grogu as she's forging this little breastplate for him. Uh, very cute little additional piece of armor that he gets. It's and then in so the middle of the forging... Baby's first breastplate. 
Yeah. Oh, it's it's, so a, it's gonna he's gonna grow him. into. She even said he's yeah. gonna grow yeah, into he's that. He's gonna grow into it. It's but gonna take five hundred years, things. but one of these days, yeah. <laughs> five hundred years. He's gonna be able to use this when he's like two hundred and thirty years old. So that's gonna be perfect. <laughs> Here's my question: He already has he already has Beskar chainmail. Why not give him a helmet or gloves or boots <laughs> like? He already Ooh, has protection in his chest. He's already shielded. Why? Why get yeah, him the same? Yeah, but it's all about the signet. It's all about the signet. Okay, what, what, it is what about the signet, and I think, truthfully, he can't really wear much other armor right now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> they they do describe that he's too young for a helmet, so that's right. one thing. Because like now that he's part of the Mandalorian culture, he's part of the Sons of the Watch. He's gonna need to put on a helmet soon. Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that. And then he could barely fit the darts on his wrist and like actually use them. Of course he does end up using them pretty effectively. Yeah, that was, that was adorable putting the agreed. Yes. Wrist, oh yeah. And Bo-Katan was great. Uh, my father was the same way. Hilarious. <laughs> Again, oh. Katie Sack. We have a yeah, Q counter. Was... We also have a Katie Sackoff counter, which is just her being awesome. What I wanted to talk about, Jamie, you're about to go into the flashback scene because uh, of the uh, the armoring, and I, I, I do want to talk about that. We absolutely have to talk about that. But right before that, I would just want to shout out, I think this is my favorite episode that the armorer has ever been in. Uh, I, I think not only is the armorer finally doing their job, um, <laughs> let me look up who plays the armorer. It's me. Would you believe that? Um, you mean Emily I Swallow? Think Emily, Emily Swallow. Emily Swallow, uh, yeah, you nailed it. Emily Swallow, I think, for the first time, was like an actual character to me because the armorer has kind of been uh, maybe an authority figure is the wrong word, but but maybe I don't know, kind of like the wise old man in yeah. any adventure story where we're getting information, we're getting supplies, but this time they that the actual armorer felt like the armorer when they were talking about the hunting party. The armorer was like, oh, I'll put, I'll put landing gears in your jump pads so you can have this, this, and this. And I'll also equip you with you know, grappling bolts and this, and this, and this. And then she goes on to teach the youngling in Grogu, you know, ways of the forge and things like that. And, and it wasn't just a, it, a lot of the armorer scenes in the past have felt like they're explaining stuff to us because the armorer is explaining stuff to us. We're learning about Mandalorian culture, but this felt much more natural. And I think it was probably Emily Swallow's best time to shine with this little, uh, uh, Grogu intermission, as well as actually being an armorer for once. I agree. Yeah, she did. She definitely did step into the shoes of her role in this episode. And I liked how we did have that side tangent of her, you know, constructing and forging all of the best car armor for Grogu, and then that almost <clears throat> triggers a flashback for Grogu, which yeah. obviously he's traumatized from that event because everyone he knew and loved in the Academy just murdered but, right in So front I have of a him. question. The, the Forge has continually triggered these flashbacks for our characters from right. season one all the way to now. Is there something, I, I, I'm maybe looking way too into this. Is this just kind of a flashback to, you know, they're like, they see the flames and it's triggering a, a, a sad memory 
Or is there more to the forge and how she's actually uh. creating the the armor? Is the, is there something more to the the mysticism of the armor and the and the forge? That's a very interesting question. I hadn't considered anything like that, but you're right. There have been quite a few flashback scenes that are initiated by the pounding of Baskar armor at the forge. And she's almost doing, uh, when she speaks, she really fanatically almost Mm -hmm. talks about like Mandalorian culture. And not that I think she's like a sage that is uh, putting a spell on on the people. (laughs) (laughs) The fumes of the forge act as a sort of hallucinatory drug that take you back (laughs) to Order 66. Maybe I'm just thinking about D&D again. It's LSD. It's LSD. (laughs) It's it's LSD. Best part of the episode, a joke I'll steal from Jake. Oh, stop. This was indeed ah. the best part of the episode indeed when we get was. the flashback scene. Order 66 is happening. Grogu's in danger. We get all these Jedi coming in to save him. And I do have to to walk back on something that I said in the previous season of Holocron Hoopla during our Andor recaps. When I said I like Star Wars better when there are no Jedis fighting with lightsabers all over the place. Absolutely incorrect. This was my favorite scene of the whole season so far when we had these Jedi showing up and we had, I don't remember the character's name, but the guy, the Jedi at the end who comes in to save Grogu. Kelleran. Kelleran Beck. Kelleran Beck. That scene was awesome. Right out the elevator, he picks up a second lightsaber and just goes pow, 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 pow. It was, it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. I, I also really appreciate how Carl Weathers, John Favreau, Dave Filoni... I'll even say George Lucas, why not? Gave Ahmed Best an opportunity <laughs> to like redeem himself with the audience. I mean, obviously now, you know, diehard fans love the guy, but for all like the bullshit he had to deal with for years and years and years of being Jar Jar. Uh, and also I think this out you know, this overrules our Jar Jar's a Sith Lord theory. I think uh he's actually uh, you shut your Jedi mouth. Master. You shut your mouth. Yes. He's still a Sith Lord. I don't think it says anything. This guy wasn't. I mean, this character we saw in the episode was not Jar Jar. I know. I know. I know. And there's no reason to think that Jar Jar is not on that Naboo uh, plane or uh, fighter that they got on at the end. Maybe Jar Jar is in this yeah, series. That was a very Grogu. interesting Starcraft. Uh, ship to use it was Nabu- Nabooian Nab- I'm gonna go with Nabooian <laughs> yeah um, round table would we like to see Jar Jar in this show now that you've brought that absolutely up absolutely not absolutely no. not we already know his fate he becomes a homeless person on Naboo <laughs> uh, I know that for a fact that's in a, a chapter of Afterlife uh, which is the, the first book that came after uh, Empire's or um, Return of the Jedi. He is essentially uh, once the Empire fall or once the Republic falls, everyone hates him on Naboo, and he becomes a homeless. Oh, so so what you're telling me is he stole Dang. this Nabooian plane, this jet? He could be on the plane. <laughs> he could be on the plane. We can all that still hate him twenty years later. I'm still holding on to hope that Jar Jar is actually Snoke. But we'll see. <laughs> Maybe over the next few seasons. One thing narratively I want to talk about is how, remember when we were talking last episode, the transition, well, or lack thereof a transition, of the passing off of the story 
did not really work for a lot of us. And and we we talked highly about the episode itself when we were following uh, Dr. Pershing and, and, and Kane, but this worked so much better where we were having the hunting party go off, start their mission, and it truly transitioned into the Grogu story, into the flashback mm-hmm. scene, and everything felt a lot more comfortable and, and much more evenly spaced out. So props to the team for, I think it was just that one weird episode in episode three where they just decided to make that big editing cut and paste, like Jake said. But this worked a lot better, and I loved the pass-off uh, into Grogu's story. And, and that flashback was kind of menacing. Um, yes, Jamie, I did love the lightsaber scene. That was awesome. Uh, I think it was, it was not very well choreographed, but then again, it didn't need to be. It was just a 10-second scene in a, a TV show. It had nothing on that dogfight scene we had last week. But Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that scene's better. You've convinced me I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that was actually the most cinematic scene. But I, I, I do want to say about Keller and Beck, which um, I did watch a few episodes of Jedi Temple Challenge nice. that, uh, <laughs> when it came out on, uh, on Disney. Or actually, it was on YouTube Kids, I think. Yeah, I was going to say. They dropped it on like, YouTube Kids. Um, and Ahmed Best was you know, having these kids go through little challenges and it was kind of fun. And the kids named him the sabered hand and he was known as like this great fighter. Mm. Um, and we actually saw this character double wield, uh, dual wield lightsabers, one green, one, one blue. Um, and I just thought it was such a great story to have Ahmed best come back as, as Jake mentioned, mm-hmm. where he's gone through a lot of Hula! for the yeah. past 20 years. <laughs> and he mentioned like the Star Wars fans of, kind of re-embraced him but it's good that like he can get back in this universe um after it it got pretty bad there for him for for a number of years so it was it's it's a kind of one of the highlight moments for me in star wars Mm -hmm. in a long time yeah i'll i'll say this i i usually try to avoid as many spoilers and stay offline on a new release day as i can the Star Wars community loves Ahmed best so much that I was actually spoiled that he was somewhere in this episode. No way. Uh, Which is rare for me, rare for me. But to be fair, or uh, or to at least uh, have some sort of, what am I trying to say? What's like the to be fair for yourself? You weren't trying. You weren't trying to be online, but you're always online, (laughs) so you got spoiled. (laughs) In my defense, in my defense. In my defense, I try to avoid spoilers, but I did not know it was actually him as a Jedi. I thought we were just going to see Jar Jar again, and he was going to have, you know, some sort of goofy role. But no, it ended up being a very cool role and a very important role, because he's the one that saved Grogu. That's a mystery we've been working on for three seasons now. Mm -hmm. And it... 100% 100% lends itself to a future storyline of potentially seeing this character. Uh, maybe not, but potentially. Maybe more flashbacks, or maybe he's still around. Yeah, and I do have a question for the Jedi historian himself. Can we get some specifics on the timeline that we have going on here? How long between Order 66 and when Mando first finds Grogu? So, how long do you expect Grogu to be with? this Jedi character before everything happens with Moff Gideon and and all that stuff? I would say we're probably 30 to 35 years. Uh, Like it's been, it's been about 30 to 35 years between order 66 
and five years after Return of the Jedi, which is when we pick up here in the Mandalorian series. So we do know that he has, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Grogu has shrouded himself. He hasn't used the Force. So maybe he's been at different places. Maybe not. Maybe he's been with um, Kellerin the whole time. I think there's a lot of interesting storylines that could play out there. I completely agree. Um, and I'm also curious as to, are we going to now, because we're on a Nabooian starfighter, are we thinking we may see Padme, Queen Amidala, in one of these next upcoming episodes? Whoa. That would be interesting. Ooh, a little Natalie Portman reprisal? Yes. She actually died the night that Krogu met Keller and or that Krogu saw Keller and back. So I don't yeah. okay. think so. Oh. It was that night? Like it, Anakin yeah, murdered was, people well, like yeah. during, oh, during the what? day, and then later that night he ended up on Mustafar and then fought Obi-Wan. He must have been exhausted. No wonder he got his legs cut off. Maybe it's maybe it it's wasn't even the high <laughs> ground. He was just fatigued. He was just so tired. <laughs> what an idiot. We figured it out. I mean, when you when you have flashbacks and you have a, a, a diluted story timeline, I guess you can do just about anything, but I, I think that's too much. I think the Ahmed Best cameo was fantastic. I agree. Glad to have him back in any capacity, even if it was already just in this one episode. I truly don't, I hope it's not just a cameo. I think this is a great opportunity to bring a new character in that we don't know much about. We know just... Him talking in a kid's show, there's a lot they could do. I agree. Great opportunity here, and we'll see where it goes. We're headed to Naboo. That's that's my theory. Oh, Ooh, I would baby. love that. I can't wait. I would love to see. I don't know who we're going to see. Grogu just hides out on Naboo for 40 years. Yeah. I don't know who we're going to see, but... Chris is, I, Chris is over here like, don't... Theory. Don't theory. throw this Give me a planet. Just give me any other planet. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest hoopla theory of all time about to go down right here oh my god grogu wow. gets taken by kellerin to naboo where they're hiding out sith lord jar jar binks <laughs> detects the presence of this super powerful jedi youngling sells him out to moff gideon at all and then that's where we pick up from oh. season one of Mando. <laughs> it Bring was it. Jar Jar all Bring along. On. Absolute wonderful ex execution. <laughs> you have my full stamp of, of approval. I appreciate that. If this doesn't come true, I will quit the podcast forever. <laughs> if they retcon well, we that, that. that scene in Afterlife, the book of him being a homeless person, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> he was a fake homeless person. The whole time. We do have one last scene that we do need to talk about, though, and it again brings back the armor, who, as Chris was saying, had a great episode. The conversation that the armor has with Bo Katan at the end of this episode, reforging a pauldron for our new best friend who doesn't want the owl emblem, but instead wants the mythosaur. Well, not to be a push up the glasses type of nerd. But technically, she wants both. And the armorer approves yes. and says that's a very cool yes. idea. Mythosaur is for all Mandalore. Would it be right. acceptable to have a night owl and a mythosaur? And the armorer goes in, the mythosaur is always acceptable to wear. <laughs> <laughs> it belongs to all of Mandalore. <laughs> 
That was very is good. Emily on our Emily Swallow? Are you on our podcast? Are you on our podcast? Hey, hi guys, it's me, Emily wow. Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, agree, Jamie. I, I think that scene we we get a taste of it last week, where you know, have you taken off your helmet since you bathed in the living waters? No, then you are within Creed. Like we got a taste of that. We didn't really know how Bo Katan was supposed to feel, but I think now with the uh, POV that we get of her, you know, f- viewing the training with the lead, the uh, raiding party, which we still haven't talked about in detail. Uh, I-, I think you're exactly right. She's finally buying in. She's kind of drinking the Kool Aid, and that pauldron scene was the cherry on top. A very cool, very cool scene. You know, you brought up that conversation, Chris, about how she brings up the Mythosaur, and I thought it was interesting that Bo-Katan tries to explain that she knows that there's a currently existing mythosaur. And the armor seems to continually deny it, that this is a possibility. Do you, did you guys pick up on that? That I, it was no, more I, vision hmm. than an actual I, living No, creature. I don't think so at all. No, I, I, I took it the very opposite way, where she said, oh, yes, you've had a, a vision of the mythosaur. And then she says, no, I saw them. Like, I, she alludes to, I saw the mythosaur. It's real in the living waters. And she says, this is the way. Because the covert, I took it in a way of, of course there's a mythosaur down there. It's like when we talked about Din Djarin. If he saw the mythosaur, in the cave, he would have understood, oh yeah, the mythosaur, this is the living waters, the mythosaur is down here, they're, they're fanatical. That, that's how I took it. I didn't think mm. she was denying it in any way. I, I don't think anyone knows that there's actually a living creature that still is present, like on Mandalore. I think everyone's to believe that it's now folklore, but I don't think anyone believes that actually one exists. I don't know, this cult yeah. probably does. Round table. I don't, I'm with Jake on this one. I, I think the armor is of the opinion that seeing the mythosaur is just uh, a vision that came to her as she is now right. a true Mandalorian having bathed in the water. She understands the power of the mythosaur and she was just imagining it. Or like a, a spiritual mythosaur was speaking to her. I... Because, I mean, she did just find out that the living waters even exist. So I think it's very reasonable for her to not expect there to be any living creatures i think we've got a split vote i I think we got a split vote here i'm I'm actually with andy i i think i think the scene itself is very open to interpretation and again i think that just plays into how good emily swallow is is playing a stoic faceless character but Mm -hmm. i i think the she does initially think it's a vision and it's like oh good for you you're bo katan you're you're back with us and now you're having visions of mythosaurs that's cool but then I think she keeps pressing the armorer and saying, no, I did see a mythosaur in the living waters. And the fact that we also have the proof of whatever magic special water was actually poured into that uh, uh, phylactery? Sure. What do you want to call it? Whatever she poured that water into the other water and the water turned blue and that is somehow proof of the living waters. We won't get into that. It's called science, Chris. It's science. I don't do science. You <laughs> know this. Evaporation, I'm, I'm a social studies guy. But I, I think really importantly, that scene is left open-ended. But I think if you could see the armorer's face after Bo-Katan keeps pressing her on this, it would look something like, and for you know, all of our listeners <laughs> at home, it's a very, 
Imagine Chris is wearing a Mandalorian helmet, so you can't see his face anyway. <laughs> a, a surprised but yet excited face uh, mm. now that, you know, I think the armor, as much as anybody, wants this culture back and, and to be in a place where they can say... That, that, and that's how she's always responded to uh, across the board. Like right. her, Emily Swallow's portrayal as this character is very interesting where she usually she just kind of states oh do this go do this in this episode she and we talked about it for a moment here in this episode she really does and chris you said takes the role of an armor but also more so she does something that i didn't think she would i thought this was going to be a battle between her and uh bo-katan as well as with pa's vizsla and they did not do that in this episode. Like they yeah. bonded the covert together. The Mandalorians almost seem like they're coming together to what they should be to retake Mandalore. And that's a real shocking change in, in, in where I thought this story was going. Yeah, I think maybe yeah. we'll have to go back and, and rewatch the tape to get a sense of how the armorer was feeling about this information. Watch side by side her reaction to the living water, having that physical evidence in front of her. And then the conversation about the mythosaur and see how her reactions compare to each other. Because from my memory from last week, she seemed to be much more enthusiastic about exclaiming how the living waters are real than she was about this conversation about the mythosaur. I'm still on the side that she thinks it's, it's not real, but it is very interesting to see how she has been the leader of this covert, mm-hmm. but now Mando's back and he's obviously not the leader of the covert, but he does have some amount of authority it seems and Bo-Katan definitely seems to be like she's on track to take over everything all of it that's the goal yeah I think Bo-Katan is slowly turning into my favorite character here I mean it was Mando or Grogu and then you know in some earlier seasons we had some really highlight characters but the through line of of Bo-Katan the rise and fall I think is is truly becoming my favorite Mando character well, there's there's a lot to the character, right? Like she has a very complex history in terms of yeah, like how she was very politically powerful, and then now she's trying to regain her yeah. her oh, status yeah. and nobility, and so and she truly no longer has a home either, right? Like right. her her homeland was just destroyed, right? And like maybe this is a political move, you know, having a mythosaur and the night owl because she's like open to being part of the clan and now wants to be in not only an example, but a leader for, for these new people that she's come across. That's an excellent point. Kind of opening up, you know, and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm part of your culture, but I'm also part of mine. I have a future, but I also recognize my past. Right. In that vein, I think this is maybe the second or possibly even third episode in a row that she mentions her father or at least her Mm. family. I'll throw a theory out there and you can give me my music, we get a Mandalore flashback from the point of view of Bo-Katan somewhere in the next, you know, three episodes or something. A glorious Mandalore where she's a little younger and she is that, uh, she was talking about how she's kind of just an aristocrat, you know, all for show. She went through the trials and she said the words, but she didn't, you know, she's not really a fighter. And then eventually she got combat training and everything like that. But I think we see a prim and proper Bo-Katan flashback somewhere in the next couple of episodes. I love that idea. 
I think that's fantastic. I think they almost have to do that. Like we we need to see Mandalore. If they if the story does go in the way of they're gonna go retake Mandalore, it would be great for us to see it in live action in its full, you know, glory. Like what are we trying to get back to? Like what right. what's the height of this civilization? Agreed. Right. Although we did just miss out on a perfect opportunity for a flashback as Bo-Katan was there inhaling the hallucinogenic fumes from the forge. <laughs> that was our time exactly. we should have had the flashback. Oh, this opportunity. Why didn't the forge trigger anything? She should have PTSD. Ah. Hey, you know one small thing I did like about Bo-Katan's journey in this um in this episode is when she's kind of guiding them along. She's the uh, Paz Vizsla says, you're the war party leader. You get to sit by the fire uh, yeah. and, and eat with your helmet off while we go our separate ways. The, she's just almost learning. Like, even though she probably knows like a lot of these types of kind of rules from her childhood yeah. that they never, pro- they never abided by. They never, her sister was the leader <laughs> of Mandalore and she, she never wore Mandalorian armor. So it's like she's like kind of learning what what it is to be a Mandalorian, but kind of fanatical cultist Mandalorian. <laughs> How do you eat? Right. It's kind of interesting to see that. And then Paz is like, once again, I think he's becoming a favorite character of mine. Each time he's on screen, I like him more and more and more. They're giving him more to do. And he's not just the gruff, you know, the gruff mm-hmm. uh, side character. Um, there's a little bit more to him. Yeah, I think this yeah. was overall a, a pretty enjoyable episode. As we said at the beginning, a quick episode, but there were a lot of really good story points. How did the birds also fit on her ship? <laughs> I don't know, but I can't wait for them to fly those they things. Are, they are it's a, enormous. It's a TARDIS. It's, a TARDIS. it's bigger on yeah, the that inside. Thing, that, yeah, that thing is huge. <laughs> you don't know the scaling I, of those birds versus I the do ship. wish... <laughs> We got to see an interior shot of the ship where it's like 90% of the volume is just bird and the mandos are just like stuck up on the wall. Against the wall. That would have been funny. That would have been funny. Oh, man. Oh, and they get off the ship and they all, uh, I think that's cool. They clap their bracers with their arms crossed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can I put, like, we all agree that they're going to train these birds and we're going to see the birds at the end of the season. 1,000%. And they're they're going to be uh, mounts flying yeah. into battle they're gonna, this, like, it's gonna be so cool they're, they're gonna be named drogon <laughs> they're gonna be named <laughs> <laughs> and birds can't run out of jet fuel so they're good they can go for miles, <laughs> yeah, they miles, can go. miles. <laughs> wait and we didn't even talk about the giant dragon or bird getting eaten by the the oh yeah the I, dinosaur. I brought it up that was great very, very, yeah it was cool um you love that there wasn't much to talk about with the oh. dragon except the fact that the scene was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. They had a little more jetpack feel than I might like to think that they previously showed us that they just ran out of jetpack feel, but again, they restocked. <laughs> Suspend disbelief. We're in yeah. a galaxy far, you know far what? away. They were, they were training on the beach and they only had, you know, about half a jet fuel pack. So that's what it was. <laughs> this, is, this is a question I have for the group um we see the three birds right is this a callback to quills blurgs in season one because they had we had three blurgs that they were riding on in in navarro into the city (laughs) at the end why why are we having three rideable creatures again i'm 
It's a conspiracy. It must be a conspiracy. It's got to be a callback. Why would you have two? I mean, and why would you have four? Like, there's just room on screen it's for just, three. Why, why are we all always having three? I don't know. Just, just something to think about. Okay, a triangle has three sides. <laughs> <laughs> because it's season three, we will never know. So this was a fun episode of The Mandalorian. Thank you all for tuning in. As we come to the end of this episode of Holocron Hoopla. Let's go around and give this episode a rating on our classic scale. Very fitting for this episode in particular. What do you think about the episode on a scale of 1 to Order 66? Starting with you this week, Andy. I am going to give this a 55 out of 66. I loved this episode. Quick, classic Star Wars adventure. Learning so much about the Mandalorian culture. I... The more and more I think about the future of Star Wars, the more I think it revolves, it should heavily revolve around the Mandalorian society. We've always talked about the Empire, the First Order, you know, the Rebellion, the New Republic, the Republic. There could be a lot more for the future of Star Wars in Man, like Mandalore. Let's let's head all like let's get. I not that I'm saying we need a movie around the Mandalorians. We have this TV show. But this is the kind of interesting path that Star Wars can take, that it doesn't have to be this classic Empire versus Rebellion trope. Just came to mind. I, once again, 55 out of 66. I uh, can't wait to see Grogu fly one of those little baby birds <laughs> at the end of the episode. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful moment. What do you think, Jakey? I think the flashback was incredible. I love seeing Order 66. I love expanding that timeline. Uh, and sort of where that story arc goes. I'm curious to see how that affects Grogu more so in future. The episode itself, I felt like was, you know, entertaining, but it, it wasn't anything that was... I wanted to see more Grogu's abilities and him growing into being a Mandalorian, uh, rather than, you know, chasing a giant bird dragon to save Ragnar, who is always causing monsters to harm the colony. I don't know, I don't know why. It's this one specific kid. Yeah, what do the kid. monsters have against this guy? <laughs> yeah, they don't like this guy. But all that to say, I, I, I'm going to give this, an ep this episode a 49. Um, for future points of opportunity for where this can grow, I'm going to give it three bonus points, bounce it up to a 52, because Grogu, the title of the episode is The Foundling, that is Grogu, and the title of the show is The Mandalorian, that will also be Grogu at the end of the show. Ooh. Wow. And chapter 20, that's also Grogu. Chris, what do you think? And also, the birds are foundlings, too. And also, um, <laughs> the kid that almost got the eaten, kid was, that a got eaten <laughs> was a foundling. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to be a foundling much longer. Yeah. Um, this is it two, will, sorry to interrupt, but this is two episodes in a row where we do have an episode title that refers to multiple different characters. Uh, last week we true. had The Convert, which was mm. both Bo-Katan and Dr. Pershing. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, I suppose Elia Kane was a fake convert. Uh, and then this week we have multiple foundlings. So they're sticking at least with some sort of vague theme in their episode yeah, titles. obscurity. You are correct. But now to Chris's review of the episode. What'd you think, my friend? Yeah, this was, uh, I think, not necessarily better or worse than last week's episode. I think it was just proving that they can tell different stories. Um, 
I, I talked a lot about the comparison to last week's episode, and I think it's still on my mind just how odd the decisions were in the, in terms of where they decided to cut and tell that story. And it just didn't work for me in the same way. This worked a lot better. But again, it, it's still something where when we get primed with the Mandalorian show, the hunting party was getting together and, and going, oh yeah, we got to go get the foundling back. I was like, hell yeah, it's a Mandalorian episode. We're going to get badass tech. We're going to get a good fight scene, all this stuff. And we got some of it we sure did, and, and, you know, the dragon scene was really, really cool, well choreographed, but it still got interspliced with that Grogu scene, but this time, I think it worked a lot better, and I'm gonna give this episode a 53 out of 66. It was, uh, it, just, it was just done better, and then the content of the episode was slightly better. I don't think we're done with Pershing and Kane, uh, just because he got mind flayed. I think we do see them again this season. Uh, but I'm excited to be back to, you know, Mandalorian stuff. I think Andrew said it best. This is about Mandalorian culture. We're back to regular, regularly scheduled programming this week. And it was, you know, a pretty decent episode. I'm going to go ahead and go a little bit lower than you guys. I'm going to give it a 47 out of 66 for this week's episode. I was just unimpressed by the mm-hmm. main storyline of this episode, or at least the the main plot point of the dragon bird capturing the uh capturing ragnar <laughs> wasn't a big fan of how they made these rules about how if he hears your jetpacks he's going to kill the kid and then they just broke all the rules so it was a very convoluted <laughs> storyline that they poorly written poorly handled wasn't a fan of that but overall well, the of, episode was good none of the rules made sense starting with the paintball scene <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, 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 that's where it rules holds don't mean i told you to suspend disbelief <laughs> it's a galaxy I'll, far far I'll give away you, i'll give you one rule that doesn't make sense get off the fuck <laughs> beach this is the worst yeah, planet okay. in the world <laughs> but chris this is a beach episode okay to be fair if they're trying to hide from <laughs> the galaxy fat. this is definitely the place to do it true <laughs> like, no one wants to never hear. they're yeah. never gonna get they're never gonna get found there that's a great point andrew i know what you're saying and i agree but also they're definitely gonna get found there <laughs> i mean they're definitely gonna get found there but you know, they'll get. This is the that's way. next week's episode. That's a problem for next week. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moff Gideon is definitely not on his way right now to go and kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. He was he was on his way, and then he got caught by that giant crocodile. So, actually, yeah. problem yeah. solved. No more Moff Gideon. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Holocron Hoopla Podcast. We will be back again next week for episode five of the Mandalorian season three. So tune in for that. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Go ahead and give us a subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using. Really helps the show. And if you leave us a review, comment on anything, or if you want to tweet at us, Instagram at us, TikTok at us. We have a TikTok now. Oh, We appreciate any sort of comments, theories that you guys have about this wonderful show or any of the other Hoopla podcasts that we've been Hoopla and all about. And without any further ado, it is time for the moment of highest hoopla, the quote of the episode. What do you have for us this week, Andy? As the armorer said, this is the forge. It is the heart of Mandalorian culture. Just as we shape the Mandalorian steel, we shape ourselves. We all begin as raw ore. We refine ourselves through trials and adversity. The forge can reveal weaknesses. 
Oh, oh no, I can feel myself oh, tripping. Oh, the oh. memories. The memories. <laughs> the Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 4, The Foundry. And here at the Hoopla Podcast, we're going to talk all about it. Tell the you. Foundling. The Foundry. The Foundry. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. The Foundry. What am I even talking about? I'm a fool. Do you mean the first level of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3? Oh my god. I'm, I'm so <laughs> excited for Tony Hawk. Chapter 20. 